Blog Talk Radio.
But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... <laughs> You'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. My guest today is the Chicken Doctor. We're talking about ear infections, and we'll be talking about swollen face syndrome. And uh, that'll be today's show. I want to remind you that we do have an episode this Wednesday of... Um, uh, the Quail Lady with Alexandra Douglas, and I just got an email that Thursday, uh, Dr. Bridget McRae will be at a 4-H convention, so she will not be available this Thursday, so I'll get on the horn and see if we can have a backup guest come in and fill in on Thursday. That'll be great. No episodes next week. We're going to make sure that everybody, all of our listeners and fans, has a chance to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving with their uh, their family and friends and so I know episodes next week, because a lot of you may be on the road traveling, busy travel days uh, ahead. Please be safe out there, but also enjoy uh, your family uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. We want you to do that. This morning on my Facebook page, I did post another reminder. Uh, it is the season, and I'll probably have to do it many, many more times, not this, not just this year, but many years to come. And uh, 
uh, about the dangers of coop fires. Um, just kind of surfing over uh, Facebook this morning, going to some of the uh, uh, chicken-related Facebook pages that I uh, frequent on occasion. Uh, they pop up in my update. Uh, just in the last 10 days, uh, even in the last two days, I've seen two coop fires that totally destroyed coops. People were brokenhearted, and, uh, which, which obviously is uh, <laughs> a given. But, um, you know, part of me just doesn't get it. I mean, there is plenty of information out there. Uh, if you just do your research before getting chickens, which I hope you do, you need to do research before you get chickens. Uh, instead of, oops, my chicken's now sick, what do I do? There's no vets so that I found that, you know, okay, well, I have a plan. Uh, we need to do more research, okay? This is like a 10-year plan, folks. Chickens can live longer than 10 years, but for the most part, it's a 10-year plan. You need to figure out. You do, it's not just about the fun stuff. Ooh, a cool new coop. Wow, I can make curtains for it and give my chickens oatmeal every morning when it's cold. No, we, we need to do more planning. We need to do more research, Um it's very important, a uh, 10-year commitment instead of just oops. And, and the information is out there regarding the dangers of heat lamps, uh, including alternatives like the sweeter heater. And I know the first Premier also makes a, uh, a safer heat lamp if you have to use one of those, but it still produces a light. And so the sweeter heater, for example, uh, is not to warm the coop. It just provides some heat for your birds, and it doesn't produce any light at all. So um, it's, it's uh, to me, preferred preferred method to uh, to do so. Um, I know that at First State Vet Supply right now, they've got six ninety five shipping on the sweeter heaters, which is uh, unheard of. So maybe it can be an early Christmas present if you choose to, for whatever reason, uh, heat your coop. You know, I get it. For a lot of people, chickens are no longer food or livestock to them. They're their beloved pets. I get it. But don't kill them with kindness. Okay, these heat lamps uh, can be very dangerous. Just in the last two days, two coop fires. Who knows how many more that you just don't hear about? Because I'm, I'm I'm glad and proud that they posted a picture of their burn up coop, uh, and they weren't too embarrassed to do that. So people can see it firsthand on these chicken forums and see this risk is real. It's not just something that you see in a magazine or that we've been touting or, or putting on our Facebook page for the last seven years and have been telling people in workshops for the last ten years. It's real. Uh, don't kill them with kindness. People lose their coops every day. They lose all their beloved chickens every day because they kill them with kindness. Now, there are safer alternatives um, that you can use. Please consider doing that. Oh, but they're $100. Really? How much is that coop that just got burned down? You know? How much is the garage with your two cars in it? $70,000 of damage because of the coop fire that spread to the garage. They just I don't, I don't get it because the information is out there. It seems to me, again, that people just get all excited and want to plan for the fun stuff, like buying a coop, picking out their chickens, uh, knitting sweaters for them. But when it comes down to illness or disease or protecting their, you know, their, their life, uh, medications, buying a $25 medication, people sometimes, oh, I can't afford that. But you have a $2,000 coop. I don't get it. So, um, you know, I guess I'm on an uh, early show rant, but it just, it's, it, I'm very passionate about this, and it concerns me. The number of chickens I see that are dead now uh, because they continue to use these heat lamps. It just doesn't add up. It's very, uh, um, I don't know, it's just one of those things. Um, the other thing uh, that we talk about is, is I don't think a day goes by that I don't see something regarding a predator attack. And then sometimes people will post a picture of, a picture of their coop and run, and I think, really? And you're surprised you had a predator attack? Um, you know, again, go back. 
do the research. I, I say this in every class. I would much rather you wait an entire year and just save up another 20 or $25 a month and do it next year and do it right the first time. Get a good poop that's going to be predator-proof or, or as predator-proof as you can get it. You know, bury the fencing. Buy the appropriate fencing. You know, forget about the blue tarp. You know, several years ago, I did a, uh, an ugly chicken coop contest. Yeah, an ugly chicken coop contest to win a new coop. And the common thread there was a blue tarp. I don't get it. If you did your research, you shouldn't need a blue tarp over your chicken coop or around your chicken coop. Um, again, wait a whole year. Save up those pennies. Do it right the first time. Prevent those predator attacks from happening. Um you know, I, I just I just don't get it. So many predator t- attacks uh, could be prevented if they just do it the right way the first time or try to do it. And, oh, well, I can't afford to do it that way. Well, then don't get chickens. You know, wait until next year. Save up your pennies because what's going to happen? Now you have to buy new chickens. You have to buy all this new feed for your chickens. You have to raise them again, and now you got to fix the hole where the raccoon got through. All that's going to cost money, right? Why, why do you have money to fix it now and not fix it right the first time? So um, it's just very, again, very passionate to me. I don't get it. I look at some of these posts, and I just shake my head. And uh, I guess we can't solve all the world's problems in, a, in an hour radio show. But um, the, it's just uh, it's just amazing, you know. Um, so please, 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 the bottom line here is do your research and a lot of it before you commit to a 10-year responsibility of keeping backyard poultry. It's not just about the fun eggs uh, and, and the fun pet and uh, but, but there's a lot of other responsibility just to come with that, other than just giving oatmeal and blueberries and pumpkin to your chickens every afternoon. So we want to give you the right information. We want you to enjoy your chickens. We want you to have pet chickens. But please do your research because uh, it will save you a lot of heartache um, and um, uh, headache uh, down the road. Kind of like, oops, the um, – <laughs> another rant. Oops, the um, – uh, code enforcement officer knocked on my door today and said, I'm not allowed to have chickens. So, oops, what do I do? How do I get the laws changed in, in 13 days before I have to get rid of my chickens? Ain't going to happen. Okay, Nashville, Tennessee, it took them three years to get their laws changed. Three years. And working hard, very diligently, responsibly. <laughs> and three years. Okay, so, oops, the code enforcement came. Rule number one, make sure chickens are actually allowed where you live before... Uh, you get them. Okay? If they're not allowed and you still choose to keep them under the radar, fine. That's your decision. But don't be whining. Oh, the code enforcement came. What do I need to do? This is not fair. I should be able to do what I want to do on my own land. I'm not arguing that, but it's not going to help you much. <laughs> so um, just, gosh, just one of those things. And, and I'm so glad we have a, a big following on the podcast and the magazine so people can get the information they need um, to, uh, to, to help raise their chickens happy and healthy and, and try to do the right thing. So but, uh, hey, I'm going to head over here to the uh, phone lines. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the uh, Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply, who has called in. Let's go ahead and bring him on. We've got a, two great topics to get those Chicken Whisper uh, notebooks out and get ready to take some notes. Uh, hey, Peter, how you doing today? All right, Andy, how's it going? I'm doing good. Calling in from a different number today, I see. Yeah, I, I, uh, this, uh, this number is used... Um, for a, uh, a hookup that I've got with Cackle Hatchery as far as the, the uh, consultations, things are concerned. So it's not a number that I give out, but it, it's a Vonage line. 
And uh, okay, cool. No, I, I just noticed it. And I said, "That's got to be him," and I just wasn't the, the typical uh, number. So I was just saying, "Yep, that, that's got to be Peter." So anyway, sorry I had to take five minutes to to rant, but I just uh, after you know surfing some of the forums today, I just just got under my skin, and I was like, "My gosh." I just don't see it. People are just being set up for failure because of some information that's out there because they just aren't researching. I just don't I don't get it. And I'd hate for yeah, them to I, um, lose their birds. I'll add this to it. Um, there's been some discussions on a couple of the uh, boards that I frequent and uh, uh, about, you know, of course, the cold weather's coming now and, and uh, nobody, uh, I won't say nobody, but a, a, a reasonable portion of people haven't prepared for it. And... Um, uh, the way I see it, it all boils down to money. Um, at the end of the day, um, the, the uh, there's a some sort of a flat panel heater that's somewhat similar to uh, the the Swedish heater. And um, um, this person, uh, they've been, you know, we, we talked about Swedish heater a little bit. I just throw some comments out and uh, let other people that have gotten them and using them, uh, you know, uh, put their two cents in and. And when I went back and looked at it this morning, I thought it was, it was kind of funny. The person had gone and bought the uh, other flat panel one um, that was similar to um, from some store somewhere. I don't even remember where it was available, but um, I can almost guarantee you, uh, you know, without even looking, that it was probably made in China. Um, and I thought it was very funny that uh, you know I, I just wanted to get on the floor and roll around and laugh a little bit, but. Uh, after paying, uh, I don't know, about 50 bucks or so for the heater that they bought, uh, then they decided to get the two-year uh, warranty that comes with it. Uh, the Swedish heater gives a three-year warranty, uh, really kind of, uh, you know, no uh, no questions asked type thing, unless you've, you know, taken a hammer and destroyed it. I don't think they're going to replace it, but, I mean, if you plug it in and it's not working, you send it back, you're going to get another one. You know, it's just... Uh, you know, and not only that, <clears throat> I put in my comments, you know, because I feel it's important. Uh, uh, I try my level best not to sell one blessed thing that has an origination uh, in China. And uh, that's just me. Uh, support this country, the workers here, uh, foremost uh, and first before any, anywhere else. And, uh, you know, I put that in, in my post. You know, the, the, these are made in, you know, in the USA, uh, USA workers and uh you know, supporting the economy here, you know. Uh, so it really boils down to, to money. Sometimes it's convenience. Um, but the majority of the time, from, from what I see, it's a money issue, um, you know, trying to scrape every little nickel and dime they can out of it. As a matter of fact, in, in our own coop here, um, uh, in the next few days I'll be putting up uh, three or four more new ones. We've got a cross from where everybody roosts the uh, – the, uh, we've got a couple of pens of, of – of cages actually of, of, of birds there that um, um, can only go outside when we they're, they're supervised uh, for for various reasons and uh, so at the end of the day um, uh, we're going to put the, uh, the the heaters on the back side of, of those and let them you know shine into the not shine but re- the um, the infrared rays go into the to them to keep them warm you know when it gets really cold out and uh um, that'll probably give us uh, what seven or eight of them in that coop, and uh, you know, it's best you can do. And, and, your, and it, your power bill, your power bill, is still going to be somewhat reasonable because of the draw versus a two hundred. Oh yeah, heat. oh absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at the the forty inch Swedish heater, eleven inches by forty inches usable space, 
that only has the draw of a 150-watt light bulb. So, I mean, you know, you, you won't heat that same area uh, with a 150-watt with a light bulb no matter what you do. And, uh, you, you know, certainly don't have the dangers uh, associated with it. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I guess it's, the you know, the, uh, the, the, the daring thing. You know, people, um, you know, have this uh, feeling that uh, it's not going to happen to me, you know, uh, uh, I have this morning on that post I post. I said, I wonder how many people that have had a fire beforehand said, uh, um, uh, oh, this won't happen to me, or um, I've used heat lamp for 10 years and I've, and I've never had a fire. And then, and then wham, mm-hmm. bam. Mm-hmm. I had somebody post that works in a farm store and said, no matter how much we try to talk them out of this, uh, they still say, oh, well, my, I have a better setup. It won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Sure. And, and I've seen the ones that. Uh, you know, take the um, the heat lamp and then uh, encase it in uh, wire, in case mm-hmm. something happens to it. You know, for me, I don't know why you'd want to do that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to take the chance. Um, I know for myself, every time I take a shortcut, uh, it always comes back to bite me. So I don't <laughs> like being bitten. And um, you know, I, you know, really, it's in all seriousness. You know, oh, I mean, uh, you know, a few years back on my van, needed brakes. You know, and. Uh, at that time, uh, GM wasn't in bankruptcy, and the prices of the their special uh, brake pad on these, uh, on, on this, you know, and I only put GM products back on, and they're like, you know, 350 bucks for brake shoes. I said, whoa, you know. And so the mechanic talked me into getting a, a name brand aftermarket uh, set, which I went for, and I was very unhappy. And um, I think it was three months I had them take them off, put the other ones back on. So where where'd you save anything? You know, the inconvenience of it all to start with, and the, you know the money on top of it. You're just better off to go and spend the money and be done with it. You know, and that that happens to me all the time. So I I don't bother to take the shortcut. People tell me all the time, oh, you know, you could save. I say, I know all about it. I know all about <laughs> saving money. I'm going to buy this thing right here. You know, yeah, but yeah, but no, no, yeah, buts. This is what I want. I'll take it home, and if it bites me, then it's all on me. And uh, it, it, I get bit less often by doing that. And um, and not that I'm rolling in money, I'm not. I just I just see the the value in the uh, uh, the sweeter heaters, and it's not just because I sell them either. Um, you know, we've been we've done fairly well for a small company, uh, you, know, you know, with them. And uh, um, yeah, I have another big order being shipped out of there today. Actually, I just before the show started, I sent her an email trying to make sure they get sent out. But um, no, I. I I just look at it, you know, people are, are people and, and uh, people aren't going to change. Uh, they don't can't change their habits uh, uh, of, of what they do. Um, and, and I don't think you're going to change this so much. You, you can, I think the best thing to do about it is, um, uh, is to, um, you know, for, at least from my, my standpoint, not be argumentative about it, state the facts and walk on. And um, I've been a much happier camper since I've been doing that. And, uh, um, because you'll never argue with an idiot and win. Never. You know, it just isn't going to happen. Uh, I guess. You know, I guess not. When they, yep. Nope. When they think they know it all, you know, uh, it, that's it's just time to let it be and, and go on with it. And uh, if they're happy with what they're doing, then uh, that's that's fine. That's all that, that really counts at the end of the day. And, you know, it's gotten away from uh, people sharing, um, you know, information. I was reading uh I'm trying to remember the, the gal that uh, does the quail show for you. Uh, what's her name? Um, can't remember. Anyway, she had a post on on Facebook that I saw that you know, and she was complaining about the fact that uh, uh, 
people weren't really sharing information. They're trying to push their information on you and their way or no way. And uh, um, I think a lot of the the uh, internet's that way. Power of the keyboard. Get behind it, and you're faceless and uh, say anything you want, any way you want, and whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I see a whole lot of stuff that's being posted in different sites and stuff that uh, I don't care to comment on anymore and get involved in knucklehead conversation. I don't have time for it. So anyway, yeah. As someone had posted at one time, I saw the kind of the same thing, issue about. Uh, th- that point, and um, you know, it was posted that um, there are more than uh, there's more than one right way to raise backyard chickens, and and you are correct, there is more than one right yeah. way to raise mm-hmm. backyard chickens. But yeah. at that same point, there's a heck of a lot of wrong ways uh, that will, like you said, bite you in the butt, cost yeah. you food, cost you your flock. So I mean, yeah, there's more than one right way, but for every one right way, there may be ten bad ways. And those a lot of those bad ways are being shared because the four letters or the four words it worked for me, um, not show me the proof. So um, then I com- I completely uh, agree. Hey, I'm still beating a dead horse. Let's. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, it's it's a good conversation. Now, it's it's worthy of, it of, of of spending the time on it. And uh, uh, you know, you know, like it, you said in your intro, you know, we do have them available uh, for six ninety five shipping and. Uh, you know that in itself is is a bargain. You can troll the internet and 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 see. You're not going to get anywhere else uh, for 6.95 shipping. So, but uh, we have them and uh, ready to roll. But uh, um, we got a couple of topics here today that I've been seeing a lot more of uh, in the past. We've talked about them some, um, and I just thought that it was worthy of bringing them back up again because people don't know what to do. Um, they're not. They don't even know what it is and. Uh, uh, so I thought I would I would bring it up, uh, discuss a little bit of uh, what it is and how to treat these two different things. Um, I think that the two subjects were what ear canker and uh, swollen yeah, head well, syndrome. Ear infection, ear infection, yeah. and swollen face syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's we'll start off with the ear infection. Uh, basically, um, this is something that goes unnoticed, evidently, because uh, when people send me pictures of them. Uh, uh, the ear that's got the infection, I don't know how you could possibly miss it, but um, they do. And um, I guess they haven't learned yet, uh, some of these folks, to get that five-gallon bucket out of their favorite chair and watch them walk around a little bit and uh, every now and then go in and handle the birds, each and every one, uh, as often as you can. But anyway, uh, it's a uh, generally a, a, uh, a bacterial infection uh, in the ear canal uh, is very deep down in the ear, and that's one of the reasons why you don't see it early on. Uh, but it is uh, a very aggressive uh, bacteria. Uh, two that come to mind, um, uh, Enterobacter faecalis was one of them that I had plated out years ago, and the other is Pseudomonas. Uh, that doesn't mean that isn't, there isn't a mixed infection there with other things. Um, they, uh, they seem to be uh, tougher and tougher to get rid of. Um, and uh, that may be because, uh, you know, there's some bacterial uh, antibiotic resistance around. But um, you will notice this uh, if you pick your birds up and you examine their ears uh, before it gets really uh, almost out of control. Um, You'll start to see this uh, yellow, uh, orangey-looking, waxy core uh, right in the ear canal, and as it grows uh, and becomes more pronounced, 
that will back itself right up out of the ear canal and start to open the ear canal quite wide. I've got several pictures in here. I've got a, a white leghorn and a, um, a silky and a couple other birds that um, the uh, the core is as big in diameter as a quarter. And for anybody that you know knows what a silky's ear looks like, or any bird's ear for that matter, they're they're real tiny. And when they get to the size of a quarter, you've got a full blown problem going on. So um, this is uh, what we call uh, ear canker. Has uh, nothing to do with uh, mouth canker, other than the fact that it, it looks somewhat like it. Uh, the same medications uh, don't work one for the other. Uh, the mouth canker is a protozoa. Uh, these others are, uh, are bacterias. So um, we use a combination um, of Otomax, um, uh, uh, and uh, it's an um, uh, ear infection treatment for dogs, dogs that get ear infections. Loppy-eared dogs have a tendency to get water in their ears and get infections. And we use amoxicillin or cephalexin, one of the two, um, uh, to to get rid of it. It doesn't easily go away. Um, I've seen some of these things go on uh, for in excess of 30 days. I've got a client that has been battling it on and off on the same bird now for two years. It goes away, appears to be gone, um, and um, all of a sudden, out of the blue, it starts to come back and, and, uh, and uh, wreak havoc again. And we've used multiple uh, medications on those birds uh, and gone in some of them as long as 30 days to get it under control. But uh, So what you would want to do with this, if you do uh, experience this uh, in birds in your flock, is to uh, take the bird and take a tweezer, have somebody help you hold the bird, and uh, remove this uh, waxy core from the ear. Uh, just don't throw it on the ground. I would suggest that you uh, put on a pair of the throwaway-type surgical gloves. You can buy them in any uh, uh, drugstore, and I would put them on and uh, take this out and put it in a little baggie. And uh, um, after you're all done cleaning the ear out, I would dispose of it and any other contents of, of anything that you use to uh, to uh, clean this out. Uh, you can put a little bit of peroxide in the ear directly. Um, you can use an eyedropper. You can pour it directly, and really doesn't matter <clears throat> how you do that. Uh, the idea is to try to kill everything, anything that you can in the in the ear canal. Again, going back and, and being a little bit repetitive, this is very difficult uh, to cure and is usually a long-term project. Um, and long-term, I mean, you know, anywhere from two to four weeks or more uh, to, to get this uh, under control and get it gone. And uh, shortening up uh, the, the treatment period, um, uh, if you clear it up in seven to ten days, or even in even in fourteen days, if the birds were mine, I would go a minimum of twenty-one days, uh, just because of the uh, the way this thing operates. That it uh, fourteen days may not even be enough these days. But um, you know, clean out the ear, and the Otomax will come in a. Um, uh, we're using a generic now because the name brand went sky high in price, but uh, it's called uh, Genazole, and. Um, it comes in a liquid and a and a cream. Doesn't matter which one you use. Some people use both. I prefer using both. Um, and uh, put the liquid in and fill the ear up uh, so that the liquid gets way down in the ear canal. And then take the ointment and kind of seal the ear off. And hopefully all that will stay in there for a little bit until uh, the body temperature makes the uh, 
the uh, the ointment ooze out as well, and then uh, orally giving um, about 250 milligrams of the uh, either the cephalexin or the amoxicillin. Large birds, you would give them two a day. Uh, small birds, uh, bantams and such, uh, uh, would get one a day. And um, one of the ways that you would uh, get this into the birds, because they are capsules, a little bit difficult uh, to uh, to give, um, you can open it if you like, and you can put it in any substance you want as long as the bird consumes all of the medication at that time. Uh, I prefer uh, taking a little piece of uh, white bread, the center, that's relatively fresh. Uh, these pills are, uh, capsules are not huge. Um, roll the uh, bread up into a little ball around that capsule, and then just open the bird's mouth. And again, looking at the anatomical landmarks uh, in the bird's mouth, uh, the, the uh, glottis where the bird breathes is in the floor of the mouth right behind the tongue, and you couldn't get this little ball of stuff in there no matter what you did. But a big, giant, black, dark hole in the back, that's where they eat. So aim for that, put it all the way back there, shove it down there with your finger, close the bird's mouth, rub their neck a little bit, and they swallow it, and you're done. Um, you should not worry about choking a bird to death. Certainly not going to like it, uh, you shoving your finger down their throat or anything else down their throat, just as we wouldn't like somebody to walk up to us, open our mouth, and shove something down our throat. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, a, it's the same scenario, uh, but... Uh, relatively simple to do and um, you know if you've got to do it once a day for the smaller birds twice a day for the bigger birds so be it but this stuff can be very aggressive and um, this uh, should take care of it but the the key to this is uh, finding out about it early Uh, it's not a big spreader in the flock you generally will find uh, you know one two maybe three birds I've never seen uh, more than three to my knowledge Uh, of course there may be more I don't always hear the full story from everybody I just hear about what the problem is, and you know how do we go about uh, uh, go about fixing it? And every day you'll want to go back and, and uh, um, twice a day, if you can, clean the ear out because the more of this gunk you get out, it does attach itself uh, and way down in the ear, uh, and it can be very difficult to get out. So the uh, you know the more opportunity you have to, to clean out, if you can only do it once a day, that's fine. Uh, but the ear itself should be cleaned out uh, twice a day, and then go back in there with the uh, uh, the ointment or the liquid or both, uh, and then you know give your oral medication as I described earlier, uh, and um, you know for the most part it goes away. The, this other <clears throat> client, um, I don't know why they've had such trouble with uh, uh, with the uh, the ear infection in this one particular bird. Uh, my guess is that um, not following the, the complete protocol, getting to that 10-day point, uh, both of them travel. Um, not both usually at the same time, but uh, uh, that can be an issue too. So uh, uh, this is, again, what we call ear infection, ear canker. It really doesn't matter what you call it. Um, it's not overly important in the beginning to even know uh, what organism is causing it. It more than likely is one of these two bacteria. Uh, could be an E. coli infection as well, uh, but I've never seen uh, E. coli plated out of the ones that we have uh, had an opportunity to examine. But uh, you will know it once you bring it out, too, because it does uh, emit quite a stinky odor. Um, Very, very, uh, pardon the pun, foul odor. Um, And, uh, you you know, you'll you'll know you've done something with it. And when I'm all done, like I said, I would take all the debris, uh, whatever you've used to clean the ear out, paper towels, uh, uh, material coming out of the ear, uh, whatever, gloves, uh, put them in a little baggie or whatever and dispose of them properly, wash your hands, 
uh, and that kind of thing. So that way you don't spread it around. I've never known a human to get it, but um, that doesn't mean it isn't possible. So I would, uh, you know, use a little bit of caution, um, you know, when handling uh, these things under those types of, uh, of conditions. Uh, you just never know. Um, if you look around at all these Ebola cases, and I know we're not dealing with Ebola here, but it's amazing that uh, you know people that are trained in, in how to handle some of these things uh, uh, make mistakes. Uh, it's uh, it's a um, uh, human nature to rub your nose, uh, rub your eye, uh, that kind of stuff, and it doesn't take very much uh, to get an infection. Um, for these bacteria, if you've got breaks in the skin in your hands, uh, that, that that's why I say to use a uh, uh, a pair of gloves when you do it. And the reason uh, there is that that just doesn't take much. You could, could get it into a cut and have a full blown problem of, of your own that you uh, uh, don't need and was totally uninvited. So, um, but we're seeing yeah. more and more but, of it. Pardon? Especially when your three year old puts his mouth on the shopping cart handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it's any consolation prize, he's not the first one I've seen do it, so, and he's not going to be the last. You know, that's that's a that's a kid thing, no matter what you do. So, uh, 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 the trials and tribulations of being a parent. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, my granddaughter, who is very articulate and and four years of age, this past Saturday, um, uh, if you drop something on the floor, she'll eat it. She'll pick it right up and eat it. And uh, you know, she's healthy as a horse at this point. So, uh, I guess there's so much to be said. For, so much to be said for that too. But uh, you know, I can tell you. Most, I think we said this on the show before, but I do not put any food, especially produce. My mom was notorious for putting produce, apples, bananas, whatever, in that seat there in the buggy, in the shopping cart buggy. And uh, after having kids. <laughs> And seeing how many blowouts they've had, not in the seat itself, but just in general in, in their life of diapers. Uh, oh, oh, another yeah. blowout. Oh, another leakage. Oh, another blowout. I ain't putting any of my food in that area up there where I put its butt because I know how many other butts have been there. And there's no way of knowing how many blowouts have occurred. And I've never seen them wipe down those carts. They may after midnight when they close. I don't know, but I, I doubt it. Uh, I wouldn't put. I wouldn't hang my hat on that. And the ones that have provided the the uh, little antibiotic wipes. The ones that provide the little antibiotic wipes for you don't always provide them. The dispenser's empty. Uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a it's a wishful thinking thing that. Uh, um, I think it it allows people to uh, to have some solace in the fact that somebody's trying to do something. But um, um, I'm an avid hand washer. I have it all my life. It's, I wash my hands. I was just telling Tammy the other day when when I go to cardio rehab, I don't touch nothing. And uh, <laughs> you know, and when I when I wash my hands, I open the door with the uh, with the, uh, the the paper towel, and then I throw it in the receptacle outside. And it's just the way I am. And I I can wash my hands in, in that short period of time that I'm there, in less than an hour, I can wash my hands four or five times. It's just I've got one for you, Peter, and all the listeners out there. Who actually picks up and flips through magazines in a doctor's office? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, all okay, the sick people are there. Sick, you have flu, you have a cold, you have a sinus <laughs> infection, you've got cooties, and, and you're and picking up this mat. No, thank you. I think I'll just leave that magazine sitting right there. <laughs> That's exactly right. 
That's exactly right. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, it's just one of those things that um, you know that uh, um, I developed that habit years and years ago, and, and it's uh, you know just the, the same thing for me: showering and shaving every day, seven days a week, neither or not. You know, it's just what I do. And uh, so, you know, some people say to me, "Well, you know, you don't have to shave every day." Yeah, for me, I do. It's just the way it is. I don't feel comfortable <laughs> if I don't. So. Uh, yeah. The, the, you, what you have if you had a bird that had this at the start of this, so you're saying it can start very deep, and it may be a while before you notice it. Uh, any type of um, head shaking. Yeah, you may see. I left that out. Um, yeah, you may see some head shaking in it, and um, I always advise people when you see birds sneeze and they, they head shake. Um, doesn't mean they have an ear infection, but it doesn't hurt to try and 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 look. And you're going to need to use. Um, Maybe even a magnifying glass. Uh, maybe okay. uh, in conjunction with that, one of those focus beam, you know, a little mag light, the small ones, so that you can focus the beam of light right in the ear canal, uh, because it is tough to see down in there. Um, you know, you might even put your nose up to it and see if you can smell anything. And, and uh, um, you know, if you get a real obnoxious odor coming out of there, you know, there may be something going on. Maybe not, but. Um, you know, I would certainly keep an eye on it, you know, from, from that standpoint. But once it emerges to the point where it's it's at the opening of the ear canal, whether it's, um, uh, you know, really infected the whole thing to the point where it's got it out to the size of a quarter or better, uh, you'll you'll recognize it. Uh, and, it's, and it's harder on some of these birds that are crested, um, you know, and, and, and the silkies too, because they got a lot of feathering and stuff all around the head and area and stuff, so... Uh, they, it can be tough to, to see them, but um, a couple of pictures that I've got of Leghorns and a couple of others um, should have been fairly obvious to people what it was uh, that, or that it wasn't normal. You know, they might not understand what it was right off the bat. But um, And, you know, people have a tendency to, because um, um, I, I deal with this all the time as well, you know, uh, well, I thought it would go away, you know. Um, uh, you know, it, it, well, it was just a little infection, you know, uh, or it was just a little sneeze or this or that or the other thing. And uh, first thing you know, you, you, you've got a, a full-blown problem. A lot of folks come back from the Ohio National, got a lot of sick birds, a lot of sick birds. And, uh, you know, I've fielded, you know, more complaints uh, from people about, uh, you know, how things are handled at the show and, and so on and so forth. And that's typical of, of how, how it operates uh, at the end of the day. It's... Uh, Unfortunately, ends up being more about the money than it is about anything else. But uh, a lot of sick birds come back from there. A lot. So, did you want to take your commercial break and then we'll finish up when I, when you come back, or you want to run right no, to the end? We'll take a commercial break and then um, we can come back and finish that up, and then okay. we can cover the um, swollen uh, um, face syndrome. That sounds interesting yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. We'll cover that. Okay, great. All righty. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Uh, Visit them there. If they don't have it, you don't need it. And we just talked about maybe two things you may want to have in your chicken first aid kit, some good tweezers uh, and a magnifying glass and one of those fine um, uh, broadcast type of little mag lights so you can get that light down in there and look in the mouth and the ears. So uh, a couple more things you may want to add to that chicken first aid kit if you're going to be uh, assembling one of those for your new chickens coming up in the spring. So, hey, there's more to come. We'll be back right after this short break. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. 
Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com.
How would you like a punch in the beak? This looks like a job for... Super chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Our guest today being Monday is Peter Brown, Ask the Chicken Doctor. And FirstStateVetSupply.com is uh, his company, and check them out because they've got lots of great stuff, including the Sweeter Heater, which is $6.95 shipping right now. Take advantage of that offer. Peter, already we've covered um, uh, we've covered a little bit about ear infections, and we can uh, wrap that up if need be, and then move on to the uh, um, swollen face syndrome. Yeah, um, I would I would really call it swollen face more than swollen head. Um, Swollen head uh, syndrome is something we see in the commercial poultry industry. Um, uh, affects a lot of broiler chickens and, and so on, but it's it's uh, caused by a, a, a pneumonia virus uh, that they get, uh, and that's not necessarily what we see in the uh, fancy or the backyard uh, uh, type flocks. So, uh, but th- theirs is caused by that, and it, theirs is also complicated by uh, E. coli. Just so that that people know, um, you know, these things get pretty nasty. And usually, <clears throat> the birds that get this uh, in the in the commercial sector, um, uh, a fair amount of them don't survive because it ends with uh, the the tissue under the skin gets like a cellulitis, and it it, it uh, it's all swollen and and um, um, a lot of edema and and um, um, almost looks like the skin is all the tissue is all congealed together. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to to uh, to look at, but we don't necessarily see that. Um, at least I never have seen it in uh, in the, in the um, uh, fancy or the the backyard uh, situation. But what we do see in the backyard situation is is a uh, an interesting. Um, uh, facial swelling can be one or both eyes, but it's generally one. Let go long enough, it does end up being both. But um, this is generally this I have seen many many times, and it, it generally is a, a again the Pseudomonas E. coli combination or either one by themselves, and uh, it can get pretty nasty. Um, it does cause a lot of uh, facial swelling. Um, there may be some uh, what we call exudate or um, technical word for for um, um, spongy-looking snot in the roof of the mouth and the nasal cleft, uh, the infraorbital space uh, uh, and the paraorbital space around the face is all uh, edematous, swollen, filled up either with fluid or, or mucus uh, uh, material, and the, the eye is shut. Um, and lots of times people will open the eye uh, lids and you can't see the eye, it's so... Uh, the uh, the conjunctiva of the eye is so swollen all around it it pushes the eye to the back and the and the uh, the tissue being swollen out so a lot of people think that the bird has lost its eye when it's not necessarily uh, uh, the case what's actually happened is is the 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 swelling is so great that the eye is just not being able you can't pull it back far enough uh, uh, as a general rule uh, you know to to see the eye. Yeah, it is interesting, but it's limited. It's limited to to the head, which is interesting. I mean, left unchecked, yeah, you, you'll end up with other full-blown problems if it makes its way uh, 
uh, you know, to the rest of the respiratory system. Certainly, you'll, you'll end up with asaculitis or something along those lines. Um, it, we see this um, sometimes. How often is this confused with um, coryza? Uh, probably more often than you think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, coryza is is a, uh, a disease that. Um, uh, well, let me back up a step. If you go out this morning and you have a a bird, male or female, doesn't matter, uh, that has uh, uh, a lot of facial swelling, let's say one side, uh, eye predominantly closed, maybe even sealed shut with with the fluids that have come come out of the eye, and um, you look around and and, uh, it's the only bird in the coop that has that problem. So you take it out and you put it in your quarantine area and you start to doctor it and whatever, and we'll go into that in a few minutes of what to do and how to do it. And then, um, you know, you go about your work and you come out the next day and there's nobody. And it's just that one bird and you come out the next day and there's nobody. And four or five days later you come out and you just get this one bird. Uh, people have a tendency to want to think that it's that it's uh, coryza, uh, when indeed it's not. Uh, if that were coryza, by that fourth or fifth day you would certainly have a lot more birds. Uh, it spreads very easily bird to bird. Um Spread, spreads through uh, contaminated feed and water. So a bird who has coryza will come up to a, a feeder or a drinker, take its water, take a take a, a drink of water, uh, and go over and get some food or vice versa, and leave the organism behind for the next one that's going to get a drink. Uh, kind of like the uh, doctor's office with the contaminated uh, magazines. Same same principle. Uh, and uh, you know most people, uh, if you watch them uh, too in a, in a doctor's office, Andy, they. Uh, will take their fingers and put them in their mouth to wet them to turn the pages. Uh, a great opportunity to pick up whatever is on those pages and have it transferred to you fairly readily. So this is the same basic thing with, with chickens. It's just that they're not reading the magazine. And uh, so you'll know the difference between the two, uh, you know, from, from that standpoint. And then you have to try to make a determination down the road if you do have more birds. Is it coryza? Is it infectious bronchitis? Uh you know, or is it mycoplasma complicated with something else, usually E. coli, um, you know, that's running around in there. And, and technically you can make that assumption by how quickly it's spreading. You can uh, make that assumption by how you know, how many birds are affected, uh, the symptomology of it overall, and, um, uh, you know, the um, uh, the swelling of, of, the, of the face and, and, and so on. You, you know, you can kind of... Uh, pick it out, and and then you know once you decide, look if it's a virus, you're not going to you know you can't treat it anyway. You treat the secondary bacterial infection that usually comes with the viral infection, but you're not going to do anything for the virus itself. So I would choose uh, an antibiotic that I felt was sufficient to take care of this particular situation. And if the birds respond, you know right off the bat it's bacterial. The, the only problem is you won't know whether it's really coryza or whether it's uh, mycoplasma. Okay. And you know it's it's tough to uh, to make the determination uh, be- between the two. I've been trying to encourage people to uh, uh, you know to to get involved in in um, um, finding out what your flock has uh, mm-hmm. right up front. You know, and b- because while the For different things, and I said at that time that there will come a time when you will not be able to buy these things over the counter, 
And I caution everybody, that's already in progress. We've lost uh, Thailand water-soluble. Once the stuff that's in the pipeline is done, okay, um, you know, you're going to need a prescription to get it. Okay? That's the way it's going. It's already, that went, I believe, the beginning of November or the beginning of October. I can't remember, but it's already there. The second one to make its way there is gallomycin. After the first of the year, anything that's left in the pipeline with the old uh, style bags and directions and stuff can be sold till it's till it's sold out. After that, it's going to require a prescription. And you'll see down the road, you won't be able to buy squat without a prescription. And this is the way <laughs> Europe has gone. You know, this, and I, you know, I, I said that, and I said also in another show where we talked about that uh, uh, nationwide. Uh, uh, data that I had uh, received uh, for the from the uh, gal from Cornell and the other one from Maine that that did the uh, diagnostic uh, evaluations from the different laboratories. If you remember that show, and I said, and I read it to you guys. Okay, I said right off the bat, here you watch the tone of what they're saying about how this can be problematic and what a problem you are. See, you're the problem, 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 and they're going to use this information, you know, to put regulations in place down the road, in my opinion. I may not live to see it, but I know a lot of other people will, and that's the way it's going to go. And uh, th- that's what the commercial people want, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're the big dogs, and uh, uh, they have the biggest say. But uh, at any rate, um, you know, this is all coming to fruition, and, and uh, um, you know, don't say you, you weren't told because it's, uh, it's here. I tell me a lot of people, you know, I'll post something, and depending on the topic, uh, it often will get comments back like, oh, they're just trying to eliminate backyard poultry nationwide. They're trying to control this or trying to control that. A lot of conspiracy theory stuff that, that probably mm-hmm. doesn't warrant it based on whatever I posted. But I'll right. tell folks, I'm like, look, if anything, if anything is going to get your right to keep backyard chickens null and void, it's going to be biosecurity. And a lot of times that may be pushed by the big boys, but at the same time, you know, it's um, there was a Newcastle outbreak. I'm trying to think where it was. It was all over the news just the last couple of days. Um, and I meant to read the article on it, but I never had time to go back and click on it. I have to go and look that up. Um, based on the outbreak out in California about eight or ten years ago where uh, four million or something birds, I mean, literally millions, four million. Um, mm-hmm. And that was traced back to just a hobby uh bird. And I don't remember if that one was like parrot, parakeet, macaw, or was it backyard chickens, but it was deemed that it was that. I want to think the very last one that was out there in California was um, traced to game fowl being brought in from Mexico. I want to think that's the the thing that... that was happening there, but uh, I mean, there, there's a, a an avian influenza outbreak again in in ducks in uh, in Europe. Uh, I forget the the country. I think it was England actually, and uh, they traced that back to a problem somewhere else. And um, it it is becoming a problem, you know, everywhere. And they're going to tighten all these things up, and uh, you know, people aren't going to like it. So you're better off to know what's in your flock, and you can deal with it straight up. And uh, um, test for mycoplasma, which is the big deal out there. Everybody's squawking about mycoplasma, and rightfully so. I get it, okay? Um, you can either become part of the NPIP program and, and do the whole thing as far as uh, 
the Salmonella pylorum is concerned, the avian influenza and the mycoplasma, or you don't. So you can either be part of that and have it all done there for you and then deal with it, whatever the results are, or you can do it yourself. And, um, uh, you know, the, the antigen and stuff, they're available. There, there's some issues that come with it. it. The test itself is pretty simple. If you've seen a pylorum test done, uh, you're about 90% of the way there. The only difference between doing the pylorum test and the mycoplasma test is that uh, there's another step or two involved. The, the pylorum test takes the blood whole as it comes out of the bird and gets mixed with the antigen and then mixed around on a, on a plate, uh, illuminated plate glass for um, for about three minutes or whatever. Um, and, then, and then it's read either positive or negative by the graininess of it. And the mycoplasma is read the same exact way on the same piece of glass. The only difference is it uses the the serum from the blood instead of the whole blood. So you have another step. You have to take some blood from the bird, which is not hard to do, and you have to, it's a little more costly because you're going to have that antigen, and you, which is more expensive, and then you're going to have to have a syringe for each bird, okay? Because you don't want to cross contaminate. But still, in all, you know, you 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 pull that little bit of blood up in it, and you pull the plunger out to thin the blood out let it coagulate for a couple of hours, and you'll see. It'll say, if you've done it properly, there's an amber-colored fluid that'll settle out. You need a drop of that and a drop of the antigen on a plate and then read the same way as you would the plurum. It's not hard. But, you know, it, again, it goes back to money, you know, paying the money for the syringes, paying the money for the antigen uh, and everything else. And then, you know, once I did it a couple of times and I felt my flock was uh, uh, was free of it, then I'd probably take some samples as a backup to either the state lab or, or some other place. But uh, it all boils down to time and money, and um, you know most people you know aren't going to do it. Just Before I forget, since they still uh, have joined us in the chat room, um, we um, I know you're a um, proponent of using uh, some things that there's study to back it up, that there's there's some proof and, and, and good studies. I know you wrote an article for the fall edition of Jake Norris Magazine about the use of oregano. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to get you to write one, maybe in one of the next editions, about the curcumin and things like that. Uh, and I'll leave sure. that up to a person in the chat room that asked us specifically about the two topics today. Are there any, um, maybe some natural things they can do to try to prevent these two things, or, or maybe natural treatments that you know of about these two topics today? Um. I wouldn't say there's anything that you could necessarily do to um, using a product uh, to prevent it Um, because you never know when you're going to encounter it. Uh, My Mm -hmm. guess that this is picked up um, from a bird pecking around in the dirt and picking up some bacteria uh, either through other birds' droppings. Uh, Don't forget, birds' droppings do have E. coli in them, so Mm -hmm. it's not... You know, it's not unheard of for a bird to pick up something and, and uh, you know, and have it get out of control. Um, Let me stop you right there because this is a good, good, good segue here to be to meet for the folks that are listening. Um, in a popular chicken magazine uh, last year, there was an article written by a blogger who had kept chickens for a short period of time that was all about, oh, there's no problems about attracting wild birds to your backyard. Go ahead and have the bird bats and bird feeders out there. No worries at all. No big deal. And of course, you know that uh, Dr. Uh, poultry scientist Dr. McRae, we uh, asked her to write an article in Chicken Whisperer magazine about the dangers of attracting wild birds, and you were just talking about them picking things up off off the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a, a segue there. I wanted to get in there about the. Well, you can read that that magazine article. It's in the summer edition. 
about the dangers of, of attracting them. We understand wild birds are going to fly down in your yard on occasion, but to have bird baths, bird feeders, where they're going to sit on the bird feeder and eat and spill food, your chicken is going to overeat that food, they're going to poop while they're up there on that feeder, and voila, there's a, a, an increased chance of disease for your backyard flock. So I understand several of you are going, well, I've had a feeder in my yard for 80 years. I've never had a problem. Yeah, we'll prove it. Got any studies to back that up? Yes or no? Um, I'm just saying the risks are there. Um, and, and we just talked about how the chickens, again, walking around the yard, picking something up, including a coli that may be found in the poop. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, that this, this is how most of this type of stuff uh, happens. Um, you know, and, and once, uh, uh, because of, of where the mycoplasma organism uh, lies, it's generally not a deep tissue problem. Uh, it's a uh, epithelial upper epithelial surface dweller, meaning it stays on the surface of the of the trachea, the mucosal lining of the of the mouth, um, the air sacs, the surface of of the lungs. Now, left unchecked, sure, it'll it'll eat down into the lungs and become really established that way. Uh, so it is very difficult to use a natural product, um, you know, to um, uh, to keep that. Either away or to to uh, to get rid of it. Um, the biggest problem I have found over the years uh, with natural products, and one of the reasons why they don't move forward so rapidly, is that um, generally it's the way the thing has to be administered, and the way that it absorbs into the system. Okay. We know that turmeric will absorb in a in a human's uh, body. We know it will absorb in a chicken's body. We also know that if it's potentiated, meaning made better absorbed or better by adding something else to it, uh, that the uh, black peppercorn makes it absorb uh, many times uh, uh, better than it would on its own. Uh, and uh, in talking with uh, Dr. Brat Agarwal, uh, uh, in relation to consumption of of, uh, of um, uh, actually curcumin, which is the active ingredient in the whole root turmeric, uh, he, he recommended that you know if you're trying to fight off a disease, that uh, you take four grams of this stuff a day. Well, four grams of it a day is pretty tough. It's tough on your gut. Uh, uh, I couldn't handle a, a thousand milligrams a day. You know, just mm-hmm. right up front, and he t- and he told me, and he warned me, and of course, the kid at me, you know, I can do it, I can do it, yeah, okay. <laughs> I took it in the morning. By noon, I was I was I had a heartburn so bad it wasn't funny, but um, and I intend to go back and 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 start out at 400 milligrams and work my way up, you know, and I don't necessarily need to get to, uh, you know, to uh, four grams, but you know, I'd like to be taking you know, thousand, fifteen hundred milligrams uh, a day, and it's it's on my uh, it's on my to do list. But uh, no, it, it, again, so that, that, um, you're saying, a, I, think, I think what you're saying, you're saying is that that's an issue. You may have somebody on a blog or forum just say, oh, all of oregano. And they'll go to Publix and buy some oregano and sprinkle it in their food or find some all of oregano. And, and when, yeah. when you know, you've got the, the, the um, uh, or, or again, the curcumin, and they just, oh, just use the apple cider vinegar or, or use this or use that. When, when yeah. really, when it's all said and done, uh, you, you may not helping at all, or not near as much as you could, because you're just doing. Oh, I'll just pass them at Publix next time I'm there. But there may be an appropriate or approved mixture with that extra carrier ingredient mm-hmm. that, that helps the body absorb that more and actually do some do some good for you. And
and not have you mm-hmm. waste your money or waste your time in doing this and all natural treatment. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, um, at least I haven't seen, you know, there, there is a lot of research going on, and, and the the problem, too, that exists with research, that a very small portion of it is repeatable. Um, so you, you you have to look and see, uh, you know, where, uh, and, and here here's the downside of a lot of this stuff, a lot of research that's floating around out there, and I don't mean to be disparaging to anybody, but a lot of it's coming out of, uh, you know, uh, India, Pakistan, uh, you know, uh, Iran. Uh, you know, uh, you know I, I don't know if I'd believe all the stuff that I that I that I see, uh, unless somebody else uh, that I feel is more credible is going to. Uh, uh, and look, these guys might be legitimate. I don't know. I just you know just have to take some things with a grain of salt sometimes. So, um, you know, just like the oil oregano that I have, I've researched that out nine ways from Sunday. I've spent years. Uh, playing around with that stuff before I, I got one that was, was, was worthy of even putting on the shelf. And, um, you know, that article that I wrote uh, in the uh, in the Chicken Whisperer magazine, uh, you know, says it all. Uh, and that's a, that's a, a you know, that, that may not be the most scientific uh, field trial, but it was a good field trial in a known position where for 20 years those birds died from blackhead. That's right, and and I'll tell you something else that I just became privy to about two months ago. Okay, was on that very same farm last year. He stopped using the oil of oregano early. He didn't feel he needed it. Well, while he didn't have a problem with with the uh, blackhead, all of a sudden he had with foul cholera. Okay. Jeez. Well, you know, penny wise, dollar foolish, you know, it's, and you know, he's had cholera there before, so it's not wasn't a big surprise. And uh this year, um those birds are going to be harvested or actually are being harvested uh here this week and and uh and next week. And um the the uh he stayed right on the uh on on the oil of oregano right up until the time they bring him to the slaughterhouse, and which is right on his premise. And not one case of blackhead, not one case of foul collar either. So there is a lot to be said, and I know this is all off topic. We can always come back to the swollen head thing and do a better job of it next time around. But the the um, the taking care of the gut associated lymphoid tissue, the gall, the immune cells that lie in that intestine, which are over sixty percent of the bird's immune system, is paramount to the bird's well-being. So if you want to do anything with essential oils and those kinds of things, I think that's that's a good starting point. Okay, that's a good starting point, and I, I realize there's a lot of people out there that probably have a lot more knowledge than I do using essential oils. Uh, I've read a lot of stuff on online lately. Um, these oils don't go into solution like the one that that we've been selling and using, and those people. Look, I don't have repeat customers coming back and buying this stuff just because they want to spend 25 bucks. Hmm. Okay? I mean, 25 bucks will get you 100 gallons of, of, of water uh, done with the oil of oregano, and it goes right into solution, stays in solution, and is not a problem. It doesn't precipitate out and lay on the top and uh, make birds not want to drink it because that's what happens when you use the ones that you go to the health food store and buy the regular oil. This is different, and this has a high... Uh, concentration of uh, Cravacol, which is the active ingredient in the oil of oregano. That's what makes it work. That's what that's what the active ingredient is. That's where the healthy part comes from. So 
it's not your general garden variety that you you know that you cook with in the kitchen. It's not the same, and uh, you have to you have to find these things out. You have to you know do the research and 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 keep looking and and trying to find out why these things either work or don't work. And that is, has always been uh, one of the issues with with these types of natural products. But that doesn't mean that they don't work. It's just how they're applied. Um, you know, you can't if you, if you don't have something that you can put in the drinking water or in the feed, then you can't do a flock of a hundred birds so easily. I mean, if you have to get something every day, or it, uh, and what you do with the and that's another thing I found with all of these natural products. Okay, if you're not giving them every day, you waste any time. You just waste any time because they they don't they don't carry over from day to day like antibiotics might. Okay, they just don't. So you're either going to give them every day and, and keep a good, healthy bird from that point on, or you're not. And then you just take you know, your risk. But the people that are using it now uh, and coming back and buying more, uh, the feedback that I'm getting from the people that are actually sending me emails and calling me, uh, somebody else that uh, listens to the show has bought some probiotic and sent me an email telling me that the, how, how healthy their birds are. And why are they healthy now? Because when you use a probiotic, you get that same thing. You take care of that gut-associated lymphoid tissue and th- those immune cells, and you have a, a healthier immune system. So when a bird does first get something, maybe you can stave it off. I was you just going to mention the, pro- the relationship to probiotic when I'm on tour and I'm talking to folks and we talk about, um, you know, you'll see on the, on the blog post, you'll see how far along get my my chickens are cup of yogurt, and I have to tell them, I'm like, look, okay, there's there's really not enough of the good stuff in good old Walmart store-bought yogurt uh, to really help their gut, number one. Number two, there's plenty of stuff you don't want your chickens to have, like sugar, high fructose corn syrup, artificial colors, artificial flavors. And after you've spent $20 on 20 cups of yogurt, not helping them like you want to, you could buy a bottle for nineteen ninety-five of probiotic designed for poultry that will actually help them, and you probably will save money in the long run. Um, I guess it's just my, my take on that, Peter, is it's just not fun. Like buying a coop is fun, getting a first aid kit with some meds, and it's not that fun. So, so it maybe it's just not as fun to, you know, to add this, measure it out, add it to your water, or give it to them that they can actually help their gut, a good antibiotic. I guess it's just not as fun as calling them over, whistling to them, having them run for their little cup of yogurt. Um, okay, it's not as fun. But you're actually yep. saving probably some money and helping your flock. So, yep. um, yeah, it goes, goes the same way with the, uh, the probiotics. Yeah, we got a little off topic, but we can finish this up on Monday if you want, and we can start over with it and and go on with something else after that. But because um, I've got a little bit, a lot more ground to cover about nasal flushing, how to do it, what it entails, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. Hey, I appreciate you joining it. We covered a lot of information. I think it was very pertinent, and uh, and it will help a lot of listeners that happen to tune in today. And um, great information every Monday, Peter Brown. Uh, the Chicken Doctor joins us. FirstStateVetSupply.com is where you can find him and all of his uh, products, including that probiotic oregano we talked about. So, uh, and we'll continue uh, next Monday. Peter, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you uh, a week from today. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right.